Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast Well now is the time for the Dopey Podcast When you call in and put all your life on blast And you call in and talk about your past Because your life was filled with us hardcore and fast So now is the time for the Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Now if your life was furious, hardcore and fast You feel like you want to put your life on blast Just call up the show and I talk about your past Cause now is the time for the Dopey Podcast Dopey Podcast It's the Dopey Podcast The Dopey Podcast, yo This is the Dopey Podcast This is the Dopey Podcast Who must say hard and pull up? Yes, I stay strong, Dopey Nation Yes, all of my brethren and my sister in and out of recovery. Give thanks for the most high power. Yes, I. <laughs> Rastafari. I. Peace, peace, peace and Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit, and I'm Dave. And welcome to all the new Dopey fans from This American Life. And NPR Dopey heads. And and the guest on the phone is to make sure that the transition to Dopey from wherever you came from is seamless. (laughs) Our great friend of the show... Thelonious Monster Zone, Dr. Drew and Bob Forrest Zone, This Life, Don't Die, Fucking Allo Recovery, The Great Bob Forrest. Here I am, the bridge between NPR and junkiedom. Yes. How does it feel? I am. I am. You know, they really got it right. I just listened to it. I, I wasn't able to listen to it on Saturday. And, you know... Always outsiders, and we've talked about this on Dopey and on Don't Die, and Junkie's been talking about it for 35 years, is how normal people don't get drug addicts. They just don't understand how the fuck we think. Right. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. But in this piece, I don't think they were trying to. It was, it was an interesting new version of it, which is they were just reporting on this phenomenon. Right. right and this the humanness of you and Chris and what you were doing I still don't think they get why drug addicts love to hear stories about drug addicts <laughs> no it was it was a straight reporting piece but from the dynamic of our friendship I thought and if you guys don't know yeah. This this week, uh, the show on National Public Radio, This American Life, did a a show about war, do-it-yourself radio things. And one of the things was about Syrian radio or something. I didn't listen to the piece. Yeah. I'm too self-centered to listen to it. And um, and the other piece was I, I pitched them Dopey, and they they did this piece on Dopey. And and the woman, her name was Dana Shivas. She's a super talented producer. She Excellent. Actually, right? Excellent producer. Excellent. Does, isn't her voice so good? Yeah. The the 
but you know, I've seen a thousand exposés, and especially since the opioid crisis, you know, Vice and HBO and CNN and PBS, and everybody's tried to understand addiction, and instead of trying to understand it, this American Life just reported this relationship of you of you and Chris and your podcast and how you used it as a therapeutic tool. I mean, the thing, the craziest thing to me is like, you know, I mean, I was expecting like a wave of response and there's been a crazy wave of response. Um, there's also just been a little bit of guilt that I've felt in this whole thing. And it's, I don't know if it's survivor's guilt and I don't know if it's like, if it's. Or if it's undeserving. Like, I think, I think, you know, you can go to any form of entertainment People who are addicts, let's say, or, you know, have, you know, depression or have childhood trauma or come from dysfunctional families, all that whole category of which Dopey Nation is. And I've seen actors have great success and report to me it doesn't feel right or they feel guilty or like fraud. Right, right, right. I certainly have had musicians, thousands of them tell me that, including some of the greatest musicians in the history of popular music that they just don't feel deserving or they don't feel... So I don't know that it's so much survivor's, survivor's guilt that you have is that yesterday I saw Dopey is number one on healthcare podcasts. Not anymore. I mean, Something weird uh, happened, Bob, by the way, and I should run this by you. I saw it was number one yesterday. It was, it was number one uh, overall... Uh, it was number one in self-help podcasts. And it yeah, was number, and it was whatever health and wellness, self help. No, but dude, category. check this out. It was number forty four out of every podcast. And what I like to do when Dopey does well is I like to make fun of somebody else, you know. And I I use it as my social media tool. And I saw yeah. we were in front of Doctor Phil, so <laughs> so I tweeted at Doctor Phil, "Yo, what up, Doctor Phil?" <laughs> and I put a picture of us in front of Dr. Phil. I swear to you, Bob, fucking five hours later, Dopey's off the fucking charts. It's not on the chart at all anymore. Oh, you think Dr. Phil had you yanked? <laughs> Dr. Phil is number one overall now. He was he was 53, we were 44, and then I wrote, what up, Dr. Phil? Five hours later, we're off the charts, and Dr. Phil's number one. A coincidence? Oh, my God. No coincidences in show business. No coincidence. Fucking Dr. Phil. I thought Oprah's machine just paid a bunch of... Uh, uh, Bangladeshi taxi drivers. Bangladeshi or, or, uh, yeah, Sri Lankan computer things to like, you know, SEO the whole thing. Dude, I I want a I want a I want a new division of the Dopey Nation of Sri Lankans to get behind our thing and start jinging the machine so we can put an end to Doctor Phil's tyranny. Oprah, yeah, the, Oprah, I love Phil, uh, Oprah. Oprah, I think you should have me on the show. I'd be happy to sit with you and discuss all sorts of things about film I mean, and food. Doesn't he work for? I mean, I'm not up <laughs> to speed on Doctor Phil or Doctor Oz or even barely Doctor Drew anymore. Is doesn't Doctor Phil? Isn't he a part of the Oprah machine? I, I, I really don't know. I think he might be. I always thought that Dr. Oz was actually Jason Bateman playing a part. <laughs> <laughs> 
I, I saw I saw him on the side of a bus, and I was like, "Wow, Jason Bateman's on a new show called Doctor Oz." You know, as the corporate shit media of the America started catching on to this weird thing that nobody knew about, which was podcasts. Then all of a sudden, you got Doctor Phil's podcast and this podcast and that podcast. Well, it was the people. It was the people who have TV shows. They're like, I don't want there to be a medium where I'm not ruling the overlord of that medium. So he's like, I better have a fucking podcast. You know, I think like it's amazing to me because we did Dopey for fun and all this stuff, and people liked it, and um, and you know, like. You're only as big as how many people you can reach or whatever. And This American Life reached a lot of people. I want to read you this email that we got from uh, the okay. This American Life because it's very emotional. And I want to see your opinion whatever. I'm going to read you something that the Don't Die Wisconsin guy texted me. And he's a callous, cynical junkie. And, and it, it made him cry. He got choked up over the This Life thing. All right. Listen to this so and then listen to me that. Um Hi, Dave. My name is Dave, and I'm probably one of the many people to email you about the recent This American Life segment. For me, I'm kind of compelled to email you. I've been in recovery for over 20 years. A few, oh, Jesus. A few years ago, I lost my younger brother to an overdose. I've never really been the same. I suffer from debilitating migraines now, and I can barely stitch together a week of functional days. But here's the thing. He died at the end of 2014, and I have and and I have yet to cry. I've wanted to. I'm sure you, as much as anyone, understands the healing power of a cathartic experience. On some level, I've known it needed to happen, and I've even tried to force it a few times, but nothing until last night and today. I listened to the show last night on my way home. I never finished the podcast. I started sobbing midway through the section of the show about Dopey, a deeper sob than a sympathetic tear. I woke up this morning barely barely able to move and had a massive migraine. I proceeded to sit there and sob for a long time. During that time, a voice has been telling me to thank you and to reach out. I'd like to talk to you at some point. If you would be open to that, I'm not reaching out because I think I need to heal you. I'm reaching out because I have to for me. You've helped me, but I've also get the feeling there's more. I'm reaching out because everything else I've tried to do to leverage his death hasn't worked yet. Um, Aside from one public talk, which I'd be happy to send you, uh, if you'd be willing, I'd just like to talk to you. I hope to hear from you. Thank you for what you've done so far. Crazy, right? Crazy, man. That's going to start happening to you more and more. That's crazy. That's I mean, a, it's there's a certain responsibility that that I kind of wanted to, I didn't want, which comes with being kind of a public sober person. Right. Because you're so honest with what you've gone through with Chris, because Chris was so honest, because Dopey is so in your face, blunt about addiction and about sobriety and about that that people that have been living in a fog about sobriety like this man this guy um it does crack open there's a leonard cohen line there's a crack in everything that's how the light gets in that's how that's how the light gets in it's the cracks and the mistakes and the fuck-ups and the and the and the not doing things the way everybody wants you to do them. 
Right. Like to me, I've heard that in different incarnations, whether in person or via email or, or, or communications from from sober people across the United States, which is AA got into this thing, I don't know, probably around the time that Betty Ford got invented, where you're not really supposed to feel feelings. You're supposed to take an action to escape unpleasant feelings. Right. So if you're sad because your brother died of drugs, get into action. Don't be sad. Right. Right. That became kind of a mantra in the 12 step world right from the time I got into it. That, that if you're feeling because sadness is, will is dangerous. Right. Sadness, yeah, sadness is dangerous. To using. Bill Wilson never really talks in the 12 step book about. Anything about going back to drinking other than if you're filled with resentment, you will drink again. He doesn't say if you get really sad, you're going to drink again. He doesn't say if you're depressed, you're going to drink again. I don't know why. I think that's the narcissistic turn in our culture where people can't tolerate being sad. They can't tolerate grieving. They can't tolerate any uncomfortable feelings. So that's why there's so many antidepressants and pharmacological solutions to every uh, uncomfortable feeling. And then the 12-step world became, well, you know, pray about it, pray to make it go away, you know, get into action, all this kind of stuff. And I think that you can see this guy's having physical manifestations of unresolved grief and pain and loss and sadness and depression because he's been brainwashed to believe, I believe, that you're not supposed to be sad. You're not supposed to be mad. You're not supposed to be anything negative. You're only supposed to be happy and grateful. And that's what I've been railing against for 15 years because I get fucking sad. And if I don't tell Dopey Dave I'm sad or Patrick in Milwaukee or Evan at Aloe or Chrissy, my wife, that I'm sad, I will get migraines. I will, something will happen. Not I'm going to use again. You know what I mean? Totally. I mean, I, I'm like an open book with this stuff and, and it definitely keeps me sober. When I feel bad, I talk about it. You know, when I, when I feel like shit, I talk about it and I, and I like, you know, I have a guy at work. I'm like, how are you doing? And he's like, Oh, can't complain. But this guy's got every malady under the sun. And I'm like, dude, why don't you start complaining? Cause then maybe you won't have the same problems. Not to mention, I'll feel so close to you if you tell me what's wrong with you. Cause I love complaining. You know what I mean? Like, but it's part of my DNA. To, to fucking complain, you know, um, this, but that email fucking, it touched me because, um, we helped, we helped him. You know what I mean? It's like, it's just, it's, it's very beautiful. Like, but I mean, don't, don't, it's not just our stuff that touches people. So my mom died when I was 19 and I was furious about it. And my, I, I had a really bad experience and I got caught stealing her morphine and right. it was just a bad, ugly scene. There's my grandma who raised me. So I didn't, I just was cool. I got, I went, I was drunk as shit at her funeral. I rode my motorcycle up the steps and parked it at this Catholic church right outside the door. <laughs> like, I thought I was, I thought I was uh, Marlon Brando or something. And I sat in the back of the church, like there was 15 or 20 open rows. And then my family's was up at the front. 
my uncle came to the back and said, Bobby, you're okay. And I was drinking out of a half pint. And so I obviously didn't grieve the death of my mother very well. Right. Fast forward five years, I'm high out of my mind, but shooting speedballs for three days with Halal Slovak of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah. And he went home, and I was just sitting in my house, and John Cougar Mellencamp, um, I forget if it's Lil Pink House or some song, and it goes, and the line is, they say, boy, someday you're going to be president, but just like everything else, those old crazy genes, they just kind of came and went. Ain't that America? That song, right? Yeah, yeah. Pink Houses. I had been up for three days. I was playing that record. <laughs> that line hit me because my mom, who died, always told me, Bobby, someday you could be the president of the United States when I was a little kid, right? right. Then when I became a teenager, then it, it, it switched. Bobby, you if you just applied yourself, you could do anything. You could be president of the United States, more aggressive. At the end, when I was a drug addict at 18 and 19 and she was sick and all the fighting that went on, she used to say, you know what, Bobby? You could have been president of the United States, but you've thrown it all away just for drugs. Right. Right. So there's the evolution of my mom telling me I, I was going to be president or could be president of the United States to I was fucking up. I'm, you know, I could be president of the United States, but you're starting to fuck up to you're never going to be president of the United States because you're a drug addict. And that line from the junk, I swear to God, I cried off and on for two days. Because that line touched you. It hit you in that spot. It cracked open your grief. That's amazing. It cracked it open, and it was cathartic, and it was healing, and it was... I never felt that pent-up way about my mom or people's moms or all all the kind of triggers that you get around the mother issue anymore. And I was still on drugs. So, so it's how the individual hears the, the thing at the moment in their lives that cracks them to let the little bit of light in. And right that's on. what happened to this guy. Did, uh, did Hillel Slovak make fun of the fact that you like John Cougar Mellencamp? Everybody did. Everybody <laughs> we know did. Now, now you're transitioning nicely for me because I want to get into because you've been on Dopey a bunch of times and we barely talked about uh, Thelonious Monster and um, and to be honest, like I was a you know a music freak as a kid, but like everybody has their world, you know what I mean. And I was yeah. aware of your band, but I wasn't in the world, you know what I mean. And uh, and then I saw recently, yeah. I saw recently that. Uh, you know, there's this movie about Bob called Bob and the Monster, and it's. You never a, knew that. I didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> I, I, I'm like friends with you. For years and years. We've been friends for years and years. Well, that makes me feel good because I, I'm not a big self promoter. I had no idea. No. I felt so stupid. Somebody mentioned it I to me. I don't mean you to be stupid. I just don't go around saying, hey, there's a documentary about me. You should watch it. But it would have been helpful for me to see it because you came <laughs> on my show a million times. You came on our show and we were like, we never talked about it. But so you guys, on I don't. it's still on Amazon, I think. Is it still on Amazon? Yeah, I think it's on Amazon. That's why people are seeing it again. It's called Bob and the Monster. And it's like this amazing documentary about Bob and his band. I mean, obviously, you were, a, a, you know, I think it's funny when people say, what do they say, first class? What is the expression they used about, like, hardcore? Dr. Drew said it about Chris, a, a uh, something class 
addict. Yeah. You know, top whatever. I forgot what he said, but you were this ridiculous heroin addict. And, uh, and in the movie, you know, and I don't know if I'm giving it away. I don't care. I, I hope you don't care no, if I give it away, so but, but when they, they show these scenes with Bob, but they, they turn it into claymation and, uh, and these scenes are amazing because they're like the dopiest stories. It's like dopey in claymation with Bob. And you tell two stories, you know, the top Jimmy story and that other story. And I would love it if you told that other story. It's such a crazy fucking story. Okay, so Anthony Kiedis, the singer of the Chili Peppers, had gotten sober. And for good reason, he was far way out ahead of us as a drug addict, right? And so he was obviously, if you're a circle of junkies, there's about a hundred of us, the worst one is going to get either die or get sober first, right? And he got sober. And so I was, he's my best friend. So then he started pressuring me or wanting me to get sober. And he kept pointing out, like, look at your life and da 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 da. da. And so. Finally, I just gave in and went to rehab, right? Because also because I love him, but also his life, there's just a new, a new goodness about his life and about how much he cared about me, that he wanted me to get sober and whatever. And so I go to rehab and the first, the, you'll love this because such a, I'm such a narcissist. So they wanted me to go to this L.A. rehab. It was him and this interventionist named Bob Timmons and my ex-girlfriend Marin and my managers. But, but they wanted me to go to this hospital in L.A. called Exodus, where eventually Kurt Cobain was in a couple of days before he died. And I, I had read the National Enquirer, and I heard that all famous people go to this place in Minnesota. I didn't know the name of it. Yeah. But I know that Elizabeth Taylor had gone there, and Natalie Cole had gone there, and Eric Clapton had gone there. So obviously Bob Forrest should go there. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Because I am in Liz Taylor. Bob Natalie Ford. Wood, Bob Forrest, <laughs> uh, come on. So I go to Hazelden, and it was nothing like what I expected. Like, I, here's an interesting thing I talk about in all my groups that I do. When I went to rehab in 1988 or 89, I think it was, 88, um, I was the youngest person in the rehab. I remember... Uh, Chris Penn, who passed away, the actor, he was in with me, and he was a little older than me. So we were the youngest people in there. It was all people in their 40s and 50s. It was all like airline pilots and lawyers and, and you know, just nurses. And it, it just was a completely different population that was in rehab in the 80s and 90s as is in now, right? Yeah. So... So I'm the youngest person, I've got dreadlocks, and I just, you know, but I really clicked with the guys that I was in the dorm with. I loved them, and I loved hearing, and it's it's full circle to Dopey. All we did was sit around and talk at night and tell drug stories and laugh, but in that laughter and that commonality of telling these stories about hanging out a window or the police are coming in the door and all this kind of stuff, is this healing openness, honesty, you're beginning to be honest with other people about what you do and who you are. And connecting right? with them, making making that's friends. What dopey, that's why Dopey strikes such a chord with people, because Dopey is a podcast based on what goes around in the smoking area of a rehab every night. Yes. Drug stories, right? Survival stories is what I call them. So, so 
I loved Hazelden, had a great experience, but I'm not big on the God stuff. And so I come back to L.A. I stayed sober for eight months, hung out with Anthony. It was great. But I just was not going to be a part of some organization that talked about Jesus all the time. I just like I still won't be. I'm just not a monotheist. I don't believe in any of that. And it's really until you're desperate enough to make the 12 step approach work. Yeah. You're not going to. I forced God onto myself through desperation and it really worked out. Yeah. So did my friend Pete did the same thing. So did a lot of people, but I just can't, I don't have that genetic that my brain doesn't have that part of it active. Right. Um, so, and so anyways, I, I ran my course with staying sober. I thought I would just start drinking. I started drinking out of Dodger game. I only drank for a few months and then I was back on crack and then back on heroin and back in rehab. You know, like you go to rehab. I'm sure you've had this experience that every junkie has. You, you want to go on the day that you're talking about going, but then it doesn't get organized to like a week later and then you don't want to go. Of course, yeah. That's what happened to me when I went to Hazelden the second time. And by the time I was supposed to go there, I didn't want to go there at all. So I stayed through the detox and then... A few days later, I just like, fuck this, I'm going to leave. And I just left and I went to Minnesota and hung out in Minneapolis and hung out with my friends. But the night that I left, I didn't get to Minneapolis in time to find my friends or feel comfortable to knock on their door. I was at the St. Paul bus depot. It was like one o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock at night. And I met this old black dude, and I said, do you know where to get some dope? And he's like, sure, yeah. And then we got dope, and then I went with him to his apartment. And he started fixing, and I was like, um, you know, do you have any bleach? Because I, I didn't have a needle. And that's what's in the movie, The Claymation, where he um, he said, oh, no, you don't want, you only want to use my needle if you bleach it, because I got the HIV. And I was like, oh, dear. Uh, you know what I mean? Like when you're hell bent on dope, and you got dope in your hand, and you know only one way of using it. So I, I, it did, I don't. I, the the story in the movie is synopsized. I went back downstairs. I tried to go find a needle for like five minutes, ten minutes. It was freezing cold. I went to a liquor store. They didn't have any bleach. Well, Bob, why didn't and, you go to Rite Aid and buy a needle for fifty cents? <laughs> it's 1988. Okay, just I just want you to let the people know that you couldn't do that back then. You could not. No. So then I went back upstairs and I was thinking of smoking it, but then I thought no. And then I he he was not now. He said you find the dude. He had told me to look for some dude, and I couldn't find him. And so I said no, I'll use that, and I'll just clean it out really good. And he goes up to you, and so that's when I I. Put the, I pulled the plunger out and I put the whole needle in boiling hot water. You know, like you've seen on Marcus Welby or some medical sure. show. You know how they sanitize the instrument? Oh, yeah, boiling water. That, that'll do it. Now, you look at that. Is that a crazy drug addict who doesn't fuck, give a fuck whether he lived or died? Because I can tell you, at that time in my life, I totally cared whether I lived. I was a, I was a rock star. I wanted to make a million dollars and get married and have kids and live in south of France. There was, there was no death kind of wish of me you just that wanted to just, get high the imminent potential death was not on your mind i think kind of the way it wasn't on chris's mind 
You know what I mean? He knows that fentanyl killed killed people, and he was fucking dealing with straight fentanyl. But he didn't think it was going to kill him, and neither did you. But but the fentanyl deaths are different because I talk to these kids. I've talked to them, and then they die of it. And I give them the heads up, and I give them the I love and care about them, and come on, be careful. They don't really care whether they live or die. Uh, we've raised a generation. I mean, this this country has become so morally spiritually sick that people literally don't care whether they live or die i don't think they have a conception of of that death is actually a possibility like i really don't do have a conception that there's no opportunity for them there's not a lot of possibilities in life and life sucks (laughs) i never at my wildest worst i never thought life sucked i thought the way i was living it sucked but I didn't think the deck was stacked against me. Do you remember? I, I was stacking the deck against me. Do you remember standing in that man's apartment and like, but and and I'm sure after the fact you were like, I'm sure you got scared to death that you had HIV. Yeah, yeah. So certainly by the time I got sober, I was sure that I had it. Right. I mean, HIV was an ever apparent danger to junkies. Yeah. Right. I don't think these kids nowadays, I don't think they think about it at all. I I remember after I got clean, I would get HIV tests, and I was sure every time I would take a test that it would come back positive. And and then even a year later, like when I'd get a checkup, I would be scared that they missed it. You know what I mean? Like, and, And I barely shared any needles. I shared like one needle in my life. Um, because needles are... Here's a dopey confession for you. Yeah. So everybody, you know, because I had told that story to other friends and whatever and that I was HIV negative and whatever. So it kind of got known that I was a risk taker or whatever. Right. And by, you got to understand, by 91, everybody's pretty paranoid and nervous about it, right? That's when you start having needle exchanges and and HIV awareness and stuff like that. It kind of got known, like, Bob Force might be HIV positive or have AIDS or whatever. So I do, I did have, and I do still have, or it's in remission, hepatitis C. And I became very sick towards the end of my use in, like, 94. I got sober in 96. In 94, I was pretty i look pretty bad i look like somebody who's gonna die you know how as you get older the scale goes up like you weighed in in the 170s and now you weigh in the 180s it just keeps going up right mine was going down right anytime i checked into a hospital or rehab mine was going it was in the 150s then it was in the 140s now it was in the 130s right and I remember thinking, I am dying. Something's wrong. But you're just so high every day all the time on this march of drug taking that you don't, you kind of block it out of your mind. But you, you kind of in the back of your mind think, like, I do, I do have something that I'm dying from. And so people started to think I was dying. And I remember at the Viper Room, which is a very popular bar in L.A., Somebody asked me if I was if I had AIDS, and I, I, and it was somebody who I knew I could manipulate. And he said, you know, I want you to go see a doctor. Are you okay? Are you sure you're okay? Like, because people are saying that you have AIDS. And I remember him. He's very codependent with me. He's a friend of mine. He's very wealthy and successful. And I felt like this is an opportunity that I can manipulate. Right. This is how. You become such a scumbag. So I told him, yeah, I do have that. And, you know, I don't have any place to stay and I don't have any money. 
and I manipulated him for money. Like he gave, I remember he gave me, you know, whatever money he had, like 600 bucks, which was a lot of money at that time. And then every time I'd see him, he would go to the cash register of the Viper room and just give me all the money out of it and say, you know, like, get yourself a hotel. And like, you got to get to a doctor. And he was trying to get, he wants to take care of you. Yeah. And then my ex-girlfriend knew that I didn't have HIV and she told his partner, the owners of the club, he told the, told the one partner and the partners like saw me manipulating that and said, dude, you don't have HIV. Let's go get you tested. And, and the other guy that I'd been manipulating was standing there and he goes, do you, are you HIV positive or not? And I said, I don't know. And he went, oh my fucking God. And he had given me thousands of dollars. Wow. So then if I'm manipulating my friends to think I'm dying of AIDS so I can get money, imagine what I thought was going to happen when I got tested when I got sober in 96. I was sure if there's a God in heaven that right. you all believe in, right. I, obviously I should be... You deserve you AIDS. Know, you, I deserve. you deserve AIDS from lying. You know, <laughs> yeah. And it was one of my best friends who loved me, and I, would, I let him believe for like six months that I, I was dying just to get money for dope. Well, so that's how low we can go, ladies and gentlemen, from the This American Life podcast. Right. I have to say, <laughs> though, now they're just like, I don't know about these people. <laughs> when I when I was sitting there, I, I got out of work. You know, I worked my ass off and, I, and all I could think about all day was the This American Life podcast and uh, and that we were going to be on it. And uh, and I walk from uh, Houston Street up to Penn Station, you know, nervous to listen to it. And I put it, and I put it on, and like there's Ira Glass talking about Howard Stern, and I'm like, what the fuck is he talking about Howard Stern for, you know? And then he starts talking about Dopey, and I was like, holy shit! And um, and I could take it because I listen to clips with Chris all the time, you know what I'm saying? Like I listen, you know, people are sending me these cool edited uh, little clips from Dopey, and I'm gonna play one later on the show, and like. I love them, you know, and I listen to Chris all the time. You know, my friendship with Chris was documented on the show. My other friend who they talked about dying wasn't really documented on the show. And I'm sitting on the Long Island Railroad and I hear my friend Todd on This American Life say, yo, and I say, what's going on? And it's like I just started crying on the train. And and I was just like, because this guy, like, Oh my god! I've been friends with him since I was, you know, uh, nineteen years old, and uh, you know, I just love this kid. And he couldn't get his shit together, and I and I can't listen to his episodes because they're so sad. Because he was the one person who was using that we'd have on the show because I used so much with him that I just wanted him to be a part of the show. And right. um, like when I heard him on the thing, I just lost it. And um, and that's when I, I mean, like. The piece was so powerful, you know, and, and I didn't even realize, you know, I remember when they interviewed me for the piece, I was in the This American Life studios for seven hours, you know, and, and I, I, it was two, three and a half hour interviews. And after the second one, I thanked the producer. And this is what I said, Bob, this is so crazy. I said, I said, thanks so much. You made me feel like I really went through something is what I said. 
And she goes, well, you did, <laughs> you know, and I, and I listened to the piece and it's like, I did, you know what I mean? Like I just, when it's happening, you're just like, everything's okay. You know what I mean? Like I just tried to keep it going because I had this baby, the house, the work, you know, drug addicts die. I kept telling myself. And when I hear the piece, it's like, holy shit, you know, it's just so sad. And that, that my friends died and, and it's in this little boiled down 25 minute, this American life piece. It's fucking weird. It's also weird to have your life told sadly and then to hear dramatic music. Like, that's weird. I know. It's a, well, to be put into that format. The watching Bob and the Monster the first time. Exactly. The first time I watched it all the way through was with my partner and Thelonious Pete Weiss. We sat side by side in chairs and watched it on a computer because he was not that happy with it, right? And he wanted to see it. He's the guy who says I'm the worst asshole in the world. Right, I remember, that. yeah. He's my, he's my best friend. Yeah. He's, like, <laughs> he's, like, you know, yeah. he's my best friend and he thinks I'm the worst asshole that ever lived. So, so we watch it and he just, he goes, well, I'm never going to, I remember he said, I'm never going to like this. And and because because initially the project was supposed to be about Thelonious Monster and the '80s music scene that kind of evolved into this story about me. And obviously, I've known as a manipulator, and I think he's always thought that I kind of manipulated it in that way. And maybe I did. I mean, I don't know. Um, but a, but a story about a drug addict musician who then becomes a counselor who then is on this mission to change recovery and how it's viewed and how it's looked at that even though it's me i know that that story is pretty important to tell also i think it's one of those stories that you check off a lot of boxes you have the music you have the 80s you have los angeles you have these uh, iconic bands then you have total fucking debaucherous uh heroin addiction and then you have recovery you know, you have an arc. Right. With Thelonious Monster, you don't have the same arc of filmmaking, you know? Yeah, so that, that arc thing. And so, but more importantly, what do these, what do these documents of recovery do? Is it, I guess some people have more ability to be honest, right? Obviously, you and Chris struck on something um, about being honest about your drug use, about what you think, right? I think, right. you know, I think it was correct in them comparison to Howard Stern because Howard Stern was the first person I ever heard, and that was in, when he was on regular radio when I first got sober in 96, where, you know, I was married at the time, and I thought about other girls, but you would never mention it. I wouldn't even mention it to Anthony. I wouldn't mention it to anybody because so you're like a bad guy if you're married right, right. after other girls. And here's this guy talking about it, and his wife is, knows it. Right. And now the whole world knows it. It was very freeing of what goes on inside married men's minds. That's why I always liked Howard Stern. That's why I don't like him now. I don't care what he thinks of politics or or show business i don't really care i never did i cared about how he expressed what it was like to be a married man but all i'm saying is you guys have tapped into it and the comparison to howard and his honesty and his creating community of this blunt frankness yeah do i think you guys did that on purpose no 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 i did i did no i totally i totally did it on purpose 
I, I totally did. I did. I listened to the Howard Stern show and I said to Chris, Chris wanted the episodes to be really short. And I was like, no, we got to just keep them company like Stern did. And I was like, we should do, we should just make it as much like Stern as we can. I would say that all the time um, because I was a Stern fan and I loved the way he, he captivated me. You know what I mean? And I, and I just knew that if I borrowed enough, uh, it would be good for the show. So you consciously ripped off Howard Stern. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> God, you're much more clever than I am. Well, I love him. I, I want to, you know, I, I really, really love the way he does what he does. And I love, listen, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, uh, and I, I'm not a better person than him. I could never do what he does. I, there was just something about how he talked that it just really, you know, he's a Jewish guy from Long Island, you know, with a big mouth and a big nose. And I was a Jewish guy from Manhattan with a big mouth and a big nose. And I was like, I, I, just, I always thought he was gross when I was in high school. I was like, this guy's fucking gross. You know, because like it was at the time where like just right before private parts and he had all these posters up with him without a shirt in the subway with his long hair, his metal hair. I was yeah, like, I, didn't have to live with that. I was like, this guy's <laughs> fucking gross, you know, and I got a job doing production. And my boss was obsessed with him And we would listen And all of a sudden it was like He sounded kind of like my family He reminded me of like how my brain worked and I just like got fucking sucked into it, you know, like, and, and like, and then everything you're saying, like he would say things that you would think and he wouldn't mind saying it. Yeah, and- that definitely. So that's how, that's how any artist has with an audience, which is you're able to somehow say things in a way that, that makes people feel safe or reassured or or they're yeah. not alone right yeah so so you know one of the things that recovery podcast or recovery radio or this recovery movement does is i think that it saves lives now i don't know how much howard stern saves lives but i do know that dopey makes people feel not alone not ashamed of the things that they've done I try to do that. That this that, that that you know I did a podcast about suicide after after I forget after uh, Anthony Bourdain killed himself. Right, right, right. I think about killing myself often. You do. Yeah, often. Still. Yeah. What do you think? All the time. Huh? What do you think? I think that life is meaningless and our society is sick. And so, so I think I'm at a dilemma, which is, can I live in this society? I want to take my children, but I'm divorced. And one of my children lives with his mother and stepfather. I want to leave here. I don't want my children growing up in this society. I think it's sick. And, and I, I can give you a thousand different signs and symptoms of the sickness. Um, but I think that, we feel trapped, especially uh, the leading cause of death of white males between the ages of 43 and 56 is suicide. Wow. White males between 43 and 56. Why? Why are they doing it? I'm in that age bracket. Because you feel trapped and, and like you have no ability to protect your children, right, from this society. Not from, I'm not worried about predators. I'm worried about the Kardashians. Well, I'm worried about the 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 politics of this country, the hatred and division that we're, we're smearing all over our children's faces every day. And so 
and and most of my friends feel this way. So how do we do? We protect our children away from America. Then why fucking live here? I hear you. That's how I feel. I mean, you should hear the terrible music that my daughter listens to. That's the only time. Oh, yeah. I, that's the only time I ever consider suicide is when she's <laughs> listening to these songs. Beyonce or what? Well, no, it's worse. It's like it's it's it's. I don't even know what it is. You know, I don't want to know. And, and she'll, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'll watch yeah, these so. shows. She'll watch these shows, like these performer shows. And I'm like, I cannot. And I throw a fit. I'm like, I can't watch this show. I can't watch it. I won't watch it. You know? Have you ever seen this show, The Masked Singer? Oh my yeah, I, I heard about it's it. It's painful. Yeah. These shows are, I can't watch them. And like, and my wife is like, Dave, you have to stop saying you hate everything that she likes. <laughs> yeah, you know what? But you got to introduce, like, like, that's why I go to Disneyland so much. I want my daughter to grow up with Snow White and Cinderella, and I'm sure that's wrong according to the powers that be, Elizabeth Warren and everybody. But I want quality one of the things about disney things is there's sadness there's death there's grieving there's scary shit there's loss that's life and life it's not a fucking talent show you know what i mean right life is bambi life is you know being you know uh, you know the low rung of the totem pole and 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 what, scrubbing the floor with them, you know, with, on your hands and knees. This is Disney had a way of talking about life, and then Pixar does it in a more sophisticated, modern way. But there's death, and there's loss, and there's grief, and there's scariness, and there's there's humanness in Disney that there is not in Bob Square Pants and all this bullshit Nickelodeon bullshit I don't know I really love I really like Spongebob Bob I'm sorry I really do I knew you would are you kidding me (laughs) who lives in a pineapple under the sea Spongebob does he's perverted and yellow and porous is he he's he's the best Spongebob oh my god dude have you heard the song the song is so catchy Jesus Christ Spongebob Spongebob, you ever watch it? There's no meaning to it. No, you're wrong. You have Spongebob slaving away for Mr. Krabs, fucking flipping the crab, the Krabby Patties, and Mr. Krab is taking advantage of Spongebob, and Spongebob is innocent. You, hey, Bob, you gotta watch it again. I think you're missing I think you're missing a lot of fucking imagery from SpongeBob. It's also like it's a classic stoner cartoon. Like I used to I know, I used, that's why I know you like it. I, is, it is more based in, in our crumb than it is in in children's media. Well, it's not really a kid show. It's retarded. I, I showed it to my daughter and she's like, Daddy, I'm not watching this. And I'm like, are you kidding me? And she, my daughter hated SpongeBob. And I had a friend that I lived with in Los Angeles who was like, you know, 29, and he would watch it every day. And I didn't like it either. I, I kind of forced myself to watch it when my daughter was like five because I wanted to find a show that we could watch together. There's no, well, here's what, uh, I mean, we go down a rabbit hole with this. Children have mommies and daddies. Bambi has a mommy and a daddy. The, 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 the families discuss these fantasy weird things that stoners make up that is there's no parents up. like Spongebob doesn't there's have no parents. parents there's no families there's no aunties and uncles and grandparents now what does have those things is Caillou uh, Peppa Pig mm. so there are some things that Max have and Ruby of, huh? Max and Ruby 
You ever seen Max that? and Ruby is a little, Max and Ruby is a little too cabbage patchy for me. Yeah. You know what I the best I like one? Caillou. I like Caillou. You don't like Caillou? I never saw Caillou. It's a Canadian show. Yeah. So anyways, the point is that I just become very paralyzed in my ability to to I don't know, to ha- to help my children have the lives that they need to prepare them to live in this world. And I think that many parents, when you look at the functionability of millennials, obviously something's going wrong, right? So, so our society is just too harsh. Greed is too the most important thing in our society. Right. It, it's the most important thing. But, like, dude, you know, I would love to get money. You know what I mean? I would love to get rich. I would love that. You know what I mean? Like, I fucking work my ass off. I would love. I want you to have money. No, it would be a beautiful, beautiful day. And, um,. And then we'll see what happens from there. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, I mean, people are fucking bugging me all the time about uh, Patreon. You know what Patreon is? It's this thing. It's this thing that podcasters can do to get money. They put a Patreon account on their podcast and then people give them money or they they release extra material for Patreon listeners and uh and and me and Chris like had talked about it because people make money that way and I was and we had, I had said uh, number one we could never do material that uh, that somebody can have and somebody else can't have based on money because we have so many like junkies who listen and they're not going to have money and they're going to be like they're going to resent us that they can't listen to the same stuff and that's like not cool and then like worse than that though is like he was like well why don't we just put a button to make money. You know, like they can give us money, <laughs> the Dopey Nation. And I said, Chris, if we put a button on Dopey to get money, you and me are never going to stop talking about the money. You know, we're just going to fucking talk about the money. You know, it's going to go on and on and on where we're going to obsess about the money every episode. You know, so we didn't do that, you know. But so Dopey hasn't been, you know, Dopey's cost way more than it's made. But like... You know, it's been a it's been a uh, a labor of love. But you ask me why I contemplate leaving this earth. It's these things and a thousand other things. Well, you know that just drive you nuts. Charles Bukowski said a great thing. It's not the big things in life that make a man blow his brains out. It's sometimes just the snap of a tennis shoe lace. Right. You just can't take any more of the deck stacked against you. Of the whole thing is such bullshit. Right. And what Dopey did and what This American Life recognized, what Howard Stern did and you still recognize, what I try to do, what Bob and the Monster does is speak truth. Speaking truth in a world of fucking bullshit. Oh, this is good, Bob. This is a very good ending. That was very nicely done. That was very nicely done. Thank you. It was an <laughs> honor to have you. It was. Always I is. I love you. Love you, you too. start editing this stuff. Yeah, fuck you. I have to, that's what I was just thinking. I have to fucking edit this thing now, you fucking <laughs> cocksucker. But I'll work it out, and, uh, and thank you. Thank you. Love the Dopey Nation. Love the, uh, the, all the success you're having. I'll talk to you soon. Success. Success, schmash. I'll speak you're to you soon. Net, you're going to be on CelebrityNetworth.com before you know it. I just hope I'm not on Celebrity Rehab. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye.
So that was super cool. Bob Forrest back in the mix, introducing the new dopey listeners to the great debauchery and recovery of Bob Forrest. And speaking of new dopey listeners, you guys definitely don't know my sweet and dear old friend, and I say old meaning time, we've known each other, not how old she is, Aurora. Welcome back to the show, Aurora. Hey, Dave. Hey, Dopey Nation. Thanks for having me back. How you feel? I'm feeling good. You know, you have a very professional way when you come on the show. Do you do that on purpose? No. It's very, very positive and very, like, enunciating and very, like, you're right there. You're right in the pocket. We'll talk about that a little bit. So, like, when you find yourself down, what do you do? Um, well, you know, I try to, I try to allow myself uh, time to feel the feelings. I try to, you know, call people, go to meetings, take a hot bath, put myself to bed, you know. I just try to change, if I'm having, like, negative So that's some real serious recovery recovery talk. Before you found recovery, do you remember how you dealt with negative thinking or depression or feeling bad? Like how did you deal with it before you went to meetings and, and knew all this stuff? question what's the difference between think 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 thinking and ruminating and think 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 on the stupid card in AA oh is that what it means it means don't think (laughs) I never understood that that's funny so it means don't that's why they put it upside down because they mean don't think they mean you're exactly. they mean you're yeah. you're thinking too much. Exactly. There's a, a guy who has seventeen years sober that's in one of my regular meetings said like I, I have to ask him tomorrow and I'll let you guys know, but they arranged the signs in a certain way. He had this like snappy catchphrase for like, you know, how they arrange like easy does it, the upside down thing, first things first. He had like a You know what the Wu-Tang Clan says, right? What? First things first, you're fucking with the worst. I'll be sticking pins in your head like a fucking nurse. <laughs> um, so, that reminds me of the, uh, the, our alma mater. Um, I remember when that record came out and I was in the old apartments. Uh-huh. Yeah. Dude, I remember when that record came out. I remember before... Uh, Enter the thirty. Enter the thir, Is it thirty six chambers or thirteen chambers? I think it's thirty six. So before enter the thirty six chambers, they put out a cassette single, a single, and it was it was it was protect your neck on one side and Method Man on the other. And I bought the cassette single, and I just I played it so much, and I remember like 
I don't know. There's something about the Wu Tang Clan that meant more to me than any any other hip hop, except for maybe the Beastie Boys. But the Wu Tang Clan were like, I, I like felt like I was down. Like I knew what they were talking about. You know what I mean? Like I think we even went. I think I went to a Wu Tang Clan show on the West Side, and I was like, this place is dangerous. You know? Yeah, but it was before it was like, you know, it was when it was bad. But but here we are, you know, the fucking dopey This American Life piece came out. Forget the Wu-Tang Clan single from 1995 or 4 or 3. When? Yeah? 92? I think it was 94, 95. But dopey... Yeah, I'm sure Andrew Garulski will have something to say about this. But maybe, um, anyway, it doesn't matter. Your favorite podcast, Dopey, was just featured on This American Life. It was beautiful. It was heartbreaking, and it was really, really powerful. I loved it. I'm so proud of you. Is Dopey your favorite podcast? Yes, it is. What other podcast do you listen to? Right. Did you tell him about Dopey? Yeah, I've told everybody about Dopey. So, what do you think uh, about the This American Life piece? I think they did a spectacular job. Um, I thought the woman who produced it... Um, Dana Chivas. I thought Dana was awesome. Um, you know, I love uh, what they chose from the episodes. I love how they... Um, is like me and Chris in that apartment that you were at 10 billion times. You know, Aurora was at that apartment more than anybody. You know, Aurora, you came over like every night we were cooking and watching TV and smoking weed and smoking cigarettes. You weren't smoking cigarettes too much. I was smoking a lot of cigarettes. And um, and that apartment, Chris came over and we hit record on the computer and we started this podcast, you know. And, and, and now, you know, obviously – Unfortunately, Chris is dead, but uh, but this American Life covered our little show about uh, living with in recovery in a positive and fun way, and it's just super cool. Um, one thing I really struggled with was the way they uh, the way they dealt with Todd was heartbreaking for me, um, and I heard from some of his people, and they were like, like DK called me, and he was like, "Yo, that's fucked up." The way they talked about Todd. And, and, and I felt really badly about it, too, just because you want to stick up for your friend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I know. 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 I
You didn't. Um, you didn't get that sense, though. You didn't. You weren't like this is fucked up. No, I mean I, I can understand that people that really knew Todd well and, and knew him for years and loved him that they felt like you know you didn't get the essence of of like a joyful, fun Todd. But I think Todd in active addiction towards the end, you know, that was a pretty fair assessment that he was really miserable and you know. Like, when you expressed how sad it was, that story where he fell asleep high and, you know, uh, went to the end of the line of the train, like, that, I mean, that is what, like, his everyday was like, you know? Um, uh, Aurora, do you remember, um, we were on the Lower East Side, it was like the end of the summer, and you came over to, to not that apartment, but the apartment across the street with your friend from, like, California or something, and Todd was over... And, like, you guys brought bottles of vodka, and we were, like, on the terrace drinking and smoking weed, and uh, and me and Todd decided we were going to go buy our first vapes, and uh, and we left you guys in the apartment, and me and Todd walked over to, like, Christie Street and bought two vapes, and Todd actually, this is so funny, we went over there to buy two vapes, and, uh, and, and whatever, some vape juice, which is like the most disgusting phrase for something to buy, vape juice. Um, but we went over there to buy vapes and vape juice, and, uh, and, and like I bought mine, and Todd didn't buy one, and I, and I didn't say anything to him. And we leave, and I was like, dude, why didn't you buy one? And he's like, because I got one right here. And he fucking stole their tester vape when we went to the store, and he pulls it out of his pocket. And he's like, what up? And I'm just like, it's just, that's how he was. You know what I mean? He was like a kid. That checks out, yeah. That's totally Todd. And then we went back. I I thought it it was really sweet how, you know, I like when um, you said you had the Todd board ready for him to be, you know, the third host to Dopey. And, you know, I just really like that they kept that that bit in when you were like, dude, dude, you remember when we were in L.A.? And then it kind of trails off, like. All that stuff really just broke my heart. Yeah, it was super emotional. Um, The funny thing about that was every time Todd called into the show, I would say, dude, dude, do you remember the time we would drive when we drove back uh, from Los Angeles to New York? Because, like, it was the worst time of his life. You know, like, he had to leave Los Angeles. He was all fucked up. And I was just kicking dope. We left L.A., he had like 10 bags of dope. I had a bottle of methadone. I like, I like killed the bottle of methadone between L.A. and Las Vegas. And then after Las Vegas, somehow I convinced Todd to split the rest of the dope with me, which was like, oh, it's like prying like, you know, food away from a starving person. And Todd was not, he was notoriously not a generous dope fiend. But somehow... I got him to share the dope with me. And then we proceeded to drive across the country getting arrested every time I got behind the wheel. You know, every time I got behind the wheel, we would get pulled over and they would find weed. And uh, we went to a hotel and, uh, and we wound up setting off a smoke alarm. And the cops came and we got busted. And Todd was driving home with like, you know, you know like uh, a quarter pound of pot but it was broken up in a million places in his car. And literally every time we got stopped, a different piece of the stash got taken. And, uh, 
And he got so mad at me. And to me, it was just a funny dopey story. Even then, I was like, this is so funny. And he was like, it was, and I was dope sick on the ride. But still, I thought it was funny. And he would hate it when I would bring it up. And, um, and that's why I loved it when they did that. And they kind of faded it out. Like it was just like a memory, you know? Yeah. And um, I, I loved, the thing I loved about the show was how it, uh, how it celebrated uh, me and Chris. And I think I'm going to play, like there's this thing that I played last week from this guy in Boston. He wants us to call him Wusta. You know about Wusta? I still want to say a couple things about this American Oh, please. I think you're making a really an excellent point and um and nobody said it but like the fact that we got away with it so many times yeah. like which is why like we didn't get away with it this time you know what I mean like neither of them got away with it um you know the fact that like I I, I didn't you know I, I just talked to Bob Bob Forrest about you know, shooting up and him, he shared like an AIDS, AIDS needle and he didn't get AIDS. He had hepatitis. I shared a needle once with, you know, but it was, you know, whatever. And I was terrified. Chris probably shared infinite needles and he didn't get hepatitis or AIDS. And, um, and I think we got away with everything until, until this happened. And I didn't have a gradual transformation I, I, maybe I had a little gradual transformation when when a bunch of people who were involved with the show started to die, when the intern Andrew died, when Dave Marshall died, when Troy died. Uh, I, was, I, was, I was struck and I was sad, but when Todd died, I was instantly changed. And, uh, and also Chris, I think, had started using right when Todd died. So, like, I was totally befuddled and, and, and angry at Chris because of the way he dealt with Todd's death. 
uh, because he was using, you know? So like when he told that story and we hear that bit of the show, it was just like, it was very powerful for me because I was just, my, my hands were up. I was like, I can't do it anymore the same way because Todd died. And, and like, you know, it's like, oh my God, to, to understand, you know, I knew Todd inside and out. If Todd was using and he told me he wasn't using, I knew he was lying. With Chris, you know, I asked him if he was using and he said no and I just believed him because I, I didn't have like the same understanding. And, and, and like I couldn't like tell you who's using and who's not using. Maybe if someone's really fucked up, I could tell you. But if it's somebody who claims to be sober and they're like, I'm sober, like who, who am I to say no, you're not? You know, but, you know, I, I don't know my point. My point is, what is my point? Right. And it changes, it, it changes the show. I want the show to be chock full of dopey stories. I want the show to be chock full of recovery and I want the show to be chock full of dumb shit. But mostly I want the show to show people I like that. I want the show to show people um, that you can have fun in recovery, that a drug addict or an alcoholic can have fun without drugs or alcohol. Um, that's the most important thing. You know, like I recovered by going to 12 step, you recovered by going to 12 step, you know, that worked for us. If something else works for you, you know, God bless you. But like all that matters is that you find a way to enjoy your life or else it's not going to stick. Yeah, that's very true. And, uh, what? And I don't think you can do it alone. You know, I don't think I could have done it alone. I think you need other people. Well, you, you okay. Well, that's awesome. You know, for me, like, I, I just feel like, because I know a lot of people who listen to the show or who are part of the Dopey Nation and don't feel like they need meetings or don't want to go to meetings. And I get that, you know, but I also cannot imagine that it could really cover what needs to get covered. You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't love meetings. I, I really don't. There's a lot of things I don't love about meetings, but they do the trick. There's a magic to them that I can't explain. That I go there and I get my medicine. Yeah. And it's annoying. It annoys the shit out of me. But I go there and uh, and I know that it's helping me for the rest of the week. Or whatever. You know, I, I only go like once a week at this point, And probably going more would be better. But like, again, I, I hear you. If, if you guys out there are listening and you get what you need from this and the dopey nation and talking to your friends, then who am I to say otherwise, except you should probably do something else because there's no way that's enough. How could that be enough? It's all like, I'm like, I'm in, I'm in disbelief, Dave. What? Because, you know, we've had many fights where I'm like, dopey is not, you know, recovery. It's not a meeting. It's like when you were like, I'm helping so many people and I don't really need to go to meetings. And you and I would get into No, that. what I said was, that was before Chris died. And what I said was, was, like, or that was like from day one. Right, but what I said was, because I was talking to Chris constantly, it felt like 
I was in constant contact with uh, an addict in recovery, and I was going to meetings. I mean, from day one, I went to RFI every day for a year, basically. No? <laughs> I went quite often. Yeah, no, you did. And I dragged you there quite often. You did? Anyway, I want to play this thing. It's from this dopey fan in Gloucester. You know about, or, and you know about Gloucester? Yes. I don't know if he's really in Gloucester. I just like to say Gloucester. I think he's a firefighter in, in Gloucester from Boston. He likes a wicked dark beer at night. Um, he, is, he wants to call himself Wister or Wooster. Do you know about that? It's no. it's spelled like Worcester, but it's pronounced Worcester. Oh God! You don't know about that? No. Anyway, he put this thing together. It's uh. Sober or what? He's No, I just like to say Wicked Duck beer. I don't. I think he's sober. I don't know if he's sober, but he sent in ten episodes that he called "Dopey, Chopped, and Screwed," and this one is episode two. Uh, I think it's called You're Ruining the Podcast. So now I'm going to play it, okay? Okay. All right. If anybody out there in the Dopey Nation is good at, like, cutting up audio, uh, why don't you hit us up? We will hand over the Dopey archives to you, and we can you can create a little audio collage. What? You want to do something with those one-liners. So this is like a chopped and screwed episode. So we'll call it the Chopped and Screwed episode. Welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and dumb shit. My name is Dave. Dopey. It's retarded. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about drugs, addiction, and Vietnamese food. Welcome to Dopey, the, the podcast, podcast about, about drugs, addiction, <laughs> and dumb shit. The podcast about Kenny Rogers. Welcome to Ice Cream, the <laughs> podcast about ice cream flavors. Yeah. No? No. Hello, and welcome to Dopey, the podcast about... Anger and sadness and lonely, lonely spaces. Homeless on the dark comedy of homelessness. <laughs> We're laughing at oh, Frank's life because he's homeless. It's so bad. Dude. Well, he makes more money than I get from a parents. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't, yeah. Why couldn't we be on the Howard Stern channel? I don't know. Probably because we're extremely disorganized and we're just two rambling idiots. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. You're ruining the organization of the show. We're recording Dopey and the episode's really bad. Why is it my You're the worst what? podcast producer in the Why history of podcasts. You're the producer. I'm the sidekick. With all the dumb Wait. shit we've ever done. <laughs> sign language on the podcast. They can't even see it. I'm doing it to you. It's not what watching not. me. Anyway, uh, should we call Daniel? All right. So, did he? Do you have his number? Yeah. All right. Good, because you can hold the phone. Because I don't like. No, I'm not no, holding I know, the you phone. Hold, you're holding the phone. No, you no, know why? This, I'm your not, pay, I'm, this is your penance no, for Leland. No, this, this is, is your penance. Bullshit. For I'm never holding the phone again. Dopey Nation. It sucks to have to hold the phone. No, no, that's not what sucks. Because I correct it. Yeah, you have well, to. Dave fucking holds it. I'll never correct you. You fucking call him. Because I have to edit the thing. You don't do anything. 
<laughs> just you edit your mistakes. <laughs> All right, what's his fucking number? It's that in the is... Facebook messages. You think uh, I, I know his number, it, dude? I swear to God, <laughs> it's like I hold the guys. I hold the phone, and the whole he's shooting me these dagger looks, and ju- like I'm like fucking in gymnastics class doing it wrong. Like I can't do a forward roll. It's like you suck. It's like the the amount of shame I feel just from holding the phone wrong. Going back to gymnastics class over here. Make sure you hold the phone the correct way to the microphone. That's the wrong side. It only records that way. There you go. Put on speakerphone. No, I was going to put it to my ear. <laughs> You're ruining our podcast. You gotta hold the butt of the phone right, right here. You're holding the you gotta hold thing. it just right. You just what fucked happened, the whole thing. Dude. You just pressed the wrong button. Because you're stupid. <laughs> you fucked up because you're stupid. <laughs> well, can you hold it the right way? Well, the show's ruined. <laughs> the show's fucking done. There we go. Put it on speakerphone. I'm doing it. And hold it right. So, so you just ruined the whole show. Okay. You got the number. This is uh, dead air again, Dave. It's calling, mother. Why does it take you so long to do anything? Oh, my God. It's like... You're very unpleasant. Yeah. Another episode, Down the Tubes. <laughs> Dave's so bad at holding the phone. No, you're holding it the wrong... The butt needs to go right here, and the microphone is here. Okay. And turn the volume up so you can hear it. Yes, mother. This is the worst episode. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you shaking your head? Go ahead. Okay. Right, hold it over here so we can hear you gotta hold it to this. This is where the microphone is, right there. But Maybe you the should butt, hold it. Hold the butt of the phone. There you go. You should hold it. You should shut up. You should go fuck yourself. <laughs> you should go fuck yourself. You should go fuck that sober guy. This might be the worst episode of Dopey ever. We did Chili's baby back ribs for like 20 <laughs> minutes. Worst episode ever. It's hot as fuck in here. It smells like farts too. It's because you, you've been farting the whole night and I have, I don't want to make the show about farting. Addiction and dumb shit. Now this is the most boring episode of Dopey in the history of Dopey. I think it's horrible. <laughs> I think it's the worst episode we ever did. Can I ask you a question? What? Do you enjoy ruining our show? Uh, this is the saddest version of Dopey ever. How's this episode going? You think we're just too all over the place here? No, don't ever ask that on the fucking show again. All right. You fucking cocksucker. Why do you need to ruin our podcast by worrying where it's going? You're such a little pussy, man. <laughs> what do you mean? You're such a pussy. Yeah. I think you ruined that episode. Chris, the episode was really not great. Yeah, whose fault is that? I would say yours. But you started the whole... I thought you were going to start fucking talking about Dopey again. No, no, enough, enough about Dopey. This is not Dopey the Podcast about Dopey the Podcast. I don't want this to be Dopey the Podcast about us talking about the, one of the worst episodes of Dopey. <laughs> our website feature sucks. Our whole website sucks. Dude, our website is so dumb. We'd have so many more. Have you noticed that all we get is these canceled t-shirt orders? Whenever somebody tries to order a t-shirt, it just gets canceled because our website sucks. <laughs> Write us a review. Try not to put me down and give me a brain aneurysm. I don't want any feedback in Unless you liked it. Say toodles. Toodles. I want to take a walk around the world. I wonder would it do me any good. Until I get some money in my pocket, then I guess I'll just have to walk around my neighborhood. But I want to be good so bad. So good, so bad, so bad. I wanna be good, so bad. Bad desires, all I ever had. 
take a ride up in the sky Watch the airplane just pass me by And I want to see a Lear jetliner take a dive Just to show all of these people what it means to be alive But I want to be good so bad Want to be so good, so bad, so bad I want to be good so bad Desires all I ever had, and my shadows getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. Shadows getting smaller and smaller, and it's time to where I stand. And I wonder would they pay it any mind when I leave this busted city far behind. I'll take the high road, however far it winds, because peace and love are very, very, very hard to find, and I want to be good so bad, want to be good so bad, so bad, I want to be good so bad, bad desires all I ever had, damn it, all these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had. It's all I ever had, and these suckers make me mad, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, 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 and these suckers make me mad, and it's all I ever had, and I want to call my dad, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had, and it's all I ever had. So thank you, Mr. Wista, for the amazing Dopey Chopped and Screwed, which I love. I love hearing me and Chris uh, in the heyday, what'd you think, Rora? I loved hearing it. I, it's it's bittersweet. It's it's nice to hear you and Chris giving each other shit and having fun. And it's funny, like how crazy he was about how I held the phone and how crazy it made me. And uh, and let's welcome to the show probably the world's biggest dopey fan, my dad Alan. Hi, hi, Aurora. One. I'm good. I'm good. Nice hearing your voice. Yeah, it's nice to hear your voice. I'm trying to watch my arms and my legs. Yeah, my, yeah. You said you, know. you said in a previous episode you had a bone to pick with me. So, uh, <laughs> but I said wonderful things about you. I I love you. You're terrific. You're terrific. All right, let's let's just come on, come on. This is not the fucking love boat. What did you guys think about the chopped and screwed? What do you have to say? I thought it was terrific, except that you got the feeling that he did the same episode over and over again, but you said there was many, many different episodes. Like, you guys couldn't figure out how to hold the phone. Is that pretty much the, the gist of it, right? It sounded like the same thing, but when I first heard that, when I first listened to that chopped and screwed, I was alone in my house, in the living room, late at night, really excited to listen to it. And the first episode kind of bummed me out. And the second one, when I heard him saying that same thing about, he loved to say the butt of the mic, yeah. and I was just like laughing. And it, to me, it was just so funny, and it's so bittersweet. And it's like it's almost as though Chris is alive when I listen to that. Yeah, it was really wonderful, very funny, <laughs> very funny. And we're holding the microphone in a very strange way now, too. By the way, Aurora, you gotta go, huh? My dad's going to ruin the fucking show. Like, like I don't know why. I don't know why he needs to comment on microphone-holding techniques. <laughs> All right. It's still, it's still a hot-button issue for you, Dave. 
No, yeah, it's a hot button issue, but he'll get his yeah. act together. Don't worry. Yeah, he'll be fine. Yeah, I'm easily triggered. Use my language, Alan. Do you want to hear? Do you want? Let's hear. Let's hear my dad's take on this American life. Uh, I thought it was uh, very moving. Uh, I cried a little bit. It was incredibly sad. And what made you cry? Uh, come on, Chris was sitting where I'm sitting right now. I mean, uh, they did so many episodes here, and he was here all the time, and he would hug me, and it's it's just awful stuff. Really awful. But, and I think, I don't know, maybe or maybe you thought the same thing, that the show showed how David changed. I mean, how he... Exactly. His transformation. Yes. I mean, at the beginning, you know, uh, fun and games, and it's uh, it turns out it turned out to be very, very important to the Dopey Nation that he was so honest and straightforward and, and then realized this ultimate horrible thing about death and, and this fentanyl stuff. It's just, you know, it's, it's very moving, very moving show. If they made any mistake, it was that they portrayed the show in the end like it's out of gas or like that I have a lobotomy rocking in a rocking chair in the attic of my house trying to do an interview for Dopey, which is almost true, but not quite true. No, I, I, that's what I wanted to say. I I thought that there should have been a, a shout out. That how, shout out. You hear that? that I learned that from you guys. I mean, <laughs> believe, believe me. Yeah, I don't like speaking like that. But anyway, that people people um, they didn't get the message that don't be as helped so many people and that it's still going and what persistence and perseverance David had to keep it going and how much energy he puts into this. And that's where I want to say how proud I am of him because somebody said, are you proud? And I said, yeah, I am very, very proud. I'm proud of, of all this stuff, even though there was a one-star review this week. There was a one-star review. Which was ridiculous. I don't even understand what the guy was... No, of Dopey, but I think the guy only listened to one episode and he didn't obviously listen to more, which is why I think whoever is now tuning in should listen to more than one. That is not the case. I'm going to read you the one-star review. It was terrible. Wait, I, I just want to say, I think that, you know, that they did say that you were still making Dopey, that, you know, you have to be there for the Dopey Nation, and that you're getting bigger guests. They don't really, they really alluded to it. They were like, I don't know, maybe Dopey's still going, maybe it's not, sounds like an interview show, blah, blah, blah. You know, they did not say that Dopey has risen like a phoenix from the ashes, saving junkies from coast to coast, from Asia to Europe to Australia to the dark continent of Africa. What? We are, shush, we are saving addicts one dope at a time. Get control, Dave. He's out, he's out of control. I mean, that's ridiculous. What is that rule, 62 or 64? What's that rule? I think he's, <laughs> my dad's reading too much weird. Why don't you give a shout out to someone in the dopey nation while you're feeling so good about yourself? No, isn't there a rule about don't think too highly of oneself? Or no, it's that? don't take yourself too seriously. Oh, okay. All right. Well, then no, I think also don't think too highly of yourself is in there, too. Yeah, that should be there. Who? I don't think that highly of myself. Listen to this, listen to this uh, review. Uh, it's a one-star review from Branson Forever, who says, good job, but he says it sarcastically. He gives one star, good job, and it says, brag about being hooked on H, S-M-F-H. Yeah. What do you think S-M-F-H means, Dad? I have no clue. 
It means shake my fucking head like this. Uh, well, he has to listen to more than one episode. It's not that. He thinks that the show glorifies drug use. But Aurora, imagine being, you know, and it's funny because I'm a little bit like my dad. But imagine being like my dad and you see things like SMFH and you have no idea what it means. <laughs> and that's relatable. I have to look up those acronyms a lot. What's another one? Do you know what TTYL means? Have no clue. Talk to you later. Um, What's another one? I don't. I don't get all this stuff. Uh, I, I really the one don't. I hate the most is IDK. I hate that one. IDK. I, you know what that means? What would you? I, mean? I don't know. Well, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I knew that one. <laughs> so, what else do you guys have to say about this? Uh, I'm just. Oh, I, I want I was wondering what about all these new listeners? Like this guy, the one star guy. I'm saying that they need to do lots of listening to be able to see how the show has changed and grown. The new listeners can do whatever they want. And there's been a ton of people who have written in and said they listened to one episode and they can't believe how bad it is and they're not going to listen anymore. And then there's other people who have written in and – no, that's not true. That's not There's other people who have written in and said they can't believe how dynamic and amazing the podcast is. And there are lots of those people. Lots. That first thing you said is not true. So when I say we're saving the world one dope at a time and you say – easy there and now you need to 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 quell about the show you could quell and still be under control yes aurora do you know what the word quell means no it's a yiddish word for being proud yes quell like i'm quelling that you're enjoying your life in recovery so much yeah all right do you want to play a game show thing before you go or do you want to just go Yes, I know your friend. It's a thirty. It's a minute game show. You want to do it before you go? Yeah, one minute. Let's do it. All right. Yeah, Dad, go to the other room. We'll try it with you afterwards. I don't know. The game show is called the Stash Word, and I I conceived of it, but my friend and pseudo dopey producer Sam, who's very sick in the hospital, uh, gave us these questions. So let's wish Sam a speedy recovery. Sam, I hope you feel better. He's all fucked up, man. They're like sticking needles in his lungs. He's like, we want Sam to feel better. It's been very hard to make the show without Sam, just so you know. Anyway, you ready? I'm ready. You ready for the stash word? Here we go. Number one, how many grams make an eighth of an ounce? 3.5. Yes. This hallucinogen is commonly known as buttons. Mushrooms. No. Try again. What? Uh, it's, it's something that Native Americans would take on spirit journeys. Ayahuasca? Keep trying. Uh, they, they take it. You want to pass? They take it in, in the Southwest. Jim Morrison lived on it. Yes. Yes. What constitutes a bundle? 20 bags? No. 10 bags? Yes. What does it mean when you boost something? No, no. I don't know. Jesus Christ. This is a cigar slid open and the tobacco is mixed with... Oh, we're done. Oh, Yeah, you got that. To boost is to steal. Like, yo, I just boosted 10 Wu-Tang Clan CDs. Oh, but I thought it also meant, like, 
of when you like don't have like drugs left and you just shoot a little bit of like resin or something or tar like you just have like water in a spoon or you would like add water. All right, take it easy. That's that's not that's not what it means. Do you want to hear my dad do or do you want to get off? Alan is not going to know what. He'll dad! Yeah. Come on. Hear Let's hear him. I don't know if this is right to make your dad do this. I've always wanted... The, the whole point of the stash word was to make my dad play it one day. And this is the day. You cannot look at the screen. Have a seat. Welcome, Alan, to yeah, play hi. the stash word. Du, 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 du. All right, here we go. Uh, we're going to start now. How many grams make an eighth of an ounce? Two. Wrong. This hallucinogen is commonly known as buttons. Be- be- the, be- the Native be- Americans took it. Oh, peyote. Correct. What constitutes a bundle? Uh... Two shopping carts filled with food. No. What does it mean when you boost something? Uh, it means to steal something. Nice. How'd you know that? I knew that. How'd you know that? That's a word that... Okay. This is a cigar slid open, and the tobacco is mixed with marijuana. Um, it's chopped liver. Before crack, this was known as smoking cocaine. Uh, salt. A window pane is a common term for what drug? Glassine stuff. What? Glassine. What is that? I don't know. It's a window thing. This is the Jamaican word for marijuana. Uh, See you later. I don't know these words. This is an animal, but it's all... What happened? Hello? Why is Alan getting more questions than me? I just want to see him get a lot wrong. This is an animal... Who tra- who an animal, but it's also someone who transports drugs. Oh, uh, um, um, a burrow. No, it's another word. Uh, donkey. You can't uh, even pronounce donkey. I'm done with you with the past. The stash. Oh, what's the right answer? Mule. Oh, close. All right, Aurora. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you and thank you, Alan. It was good to talk to you. Yes, love to you, Aurora. Love to you. Lots of love to everybody. All right. Thank you. And, um, Dad, do you have anything else you want to say before it's over? Um, stay strong, Dopey Nation. All right. There we go. Thank you. Goodbye. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Say it again. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. All right, Rory. Talk to you later. All right, Dad. Bye. All right. That's always fun to have Aurora and my dad on the show. Uh, but before we go, I want to do a Dopey voicemail because Dopey is not Dopey without dopey stories and uh i've probably told 99 percent of my dopey stories so i could use some of yours send in crazy funny stories keep them as short as you can if they're really really good make them longer whatever use your best judgment uh but keep them coming i love to have you guys be a part of the show if it's music if it's voicemails oh yeah that was rocker t in the beginning of the show doing uh Dopey podcast, you know. Let me know what you guys think of Rocker T. That was a guy I used to go see when I was in uh, high school and college. We always loved him. And uh, check him out on Spotify, Rocker T. Just T, letter T. Anyway, here's Danielle with the Dopey uh, story. Send in some stuff. Send in some art. Here we go. Hi, Dopey Nation. Um, 
my name is Danielle. I'm a new member to the Dopey Nation crew. I figured I wanted to put one of my stories out there. I just tried to do it, but didn't succeed with sending it. So here we go again. Um, so I was telling my story about back in 2014. I was in a car accident with a friend of mine. He nodded out at the wheel. And I knew he was going to hit this tree because he swerved once and I caught him. And then the second time, I just braced for impact. I just knew it was coming. It totally ruined my high. It was the worst. I was, we hit the tree. I'm scrummaging to pick up all my shit. It was a mess. Um, whatever, we go to the hospital. And I wasn't going to do anything. I wasn't going to press any, you know, go through any insurance companies or anything like that or any personal injuries. Well, I was suggested by family to do so. And at the time, I'm like, eventually I'll get money out of this. This isn't really a bad idea. So I did it. Um, went through a personal injury lawyer. And because my my my... My break was, it was, you know, my arm. It wasn't like my back or my neck. You know, hopefully this was set out in a few months. Well, if you know you're going to be getting settlements, you can go through and a loan. You can go get a loan. So I was like, all right, I'll go get this loan. Well, I got one, and obviously that was never enough because I had a drug problem, so I had to blow through all the money. So I took out another loan. And at the time, um, I was actively involved in a, in a group on Instagram, Real Junkies of Instagram. It was a real thing. Uh, they've tried to ban it, I believe, now. I mean, like, the things that they would post. I used to post videos of myself shooting up. I mean, like, it was, like, drugs, like, paraphernalia. You name it, it was there. And uh, I met this girl named Nicole, and she lived not far. She lived in Rochester, and I live in Buffalo. And I was like, okay, you know, we'll meet up. I got all this money coming. I'll come to you. Come to your dude. It'll be great. And um, so, because at the time I was paying like, I was paying so much money, and I think I owed my dealer at the time, and I was going through someone else that knew her, and and it, I still owed money, and I didn't want to pay her back yet. I wasn't ready to. So I was like, all right, let's let's take this trip over to Rochester. So um, the time I was with my daughter's father. Uh, we were both addicted. Um, we drove our daughter over to a family member's house, drove over to Rochester, met Nicole in um, some random-ass parking lot, and went and got drugs in some sketchy part of the neighborhood. Shit was so cheap. I couldn't believe it. Mind you, I obviously took care of her because, I mean, she was helping me out. And... Um, after that, got high in the car. I actually still have pictures from that day. I have pictures from that day after we all got high in the car. It's fucking sick. Um, and uh, after that day, we never talked again. Maybe once after that, we never talked again. Uh, I went home, and uh, there's a girl that I still actually talk to this day. She's sober. Uh, she's from Texas, and we met on that on the Real Junkies of Instagram. And she would she would talk to me. She's like, well, after right after I'd get high, I'd 
go in the parking lot and I'd walk and pace back and forth, back and forth. And she would talk to me and talk, you know, calm me down. And, and, uh, cause at the time my, my, I was speedballing and my addiction was really at its worst. Um, it was bad. And, uh, it wasn't until not the first or third attempt or second attempt in detox. It was like the third attempt in detox when I finally actually succeeded. And my grandmother refused to give me money anymore because I had already blew through my $55,000 settlement from my car accident. I blew through it at least in two months. Um, my, my ex at the time, well, my ex now, he was taking my debit card and going to the bank every morning and withdrawing money and going to see the dealer before I even woke up. So I'm thankful today that I am no longer living that life. I am thankful for this podcast and Dave, I truly appreciate everything that you put out. It's, it's nothing but good karma and good things are coming. You know, I'm, and, and, and I know Chris is listening with us and he is proud of all the work that you're doing, man, because this is, this is powerful. Truly is. Stay strong, Dopey Nation. Toodles. All right. Thanks, Danielle, for the voicemail. If any of you guys want to send in uh, a real junkies of Instagram voicemail, that would be awesome. Or if you have any kind of like crazy dopey story that you want to tell, you know, send it in. These stories are like the lifeblood of the show. We always need them. Uh, send it to dopeypodcast at gmail.com. If you guys are artists, send in art. If you're musicians, send in music. We love uh, for you to be a part of the show. You know what to do. Follow us on Facebook. Join the Dopey Nation group. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on Reddit for all the fucking knuckleheads out there. Uh, Follow us on Twitter for all the nice Dopey fans out there. Like Mike and Kevin and the rest of y'all. Steph. Love those Dopey Twitter guys. Um, And... Leave a voicemail, do all that stuff, leave a review. Chris loved reviews. Stay strong, Dopey Nation, and fucking toodles for Chris, who we miss. This song is for Bradley. Fuck Bradley. Wherever you might be. <laughs> <laughs>
Thank you. Thank you, everybody. You don't have a name for our band. Thank you very much.